0: Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C-Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership, coaching, and wellness that supports C-Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources— Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. Collective.com. wholehearted does mean? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And today in our interview segment, we have Claudine Charmante, who is a gifted coach, psychotherapist, senior executive trainer, and podcaster with over 30 years of experience transforming lives. She has a strong background in government, nonprofits, healthcare, training, and development. I hope you enjoy the episode today and remember something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. What does wholeheartedness mean? So this is a concept that the C-Suite Collective and myself as a private coach has been really diving into the last six or seven years. And when I think of leadership in the world, I've seen leadership growing up. You know, I'm, I'm 42 years old, so I haven't had a ton of experience. The leadership I've seen has been changing and growing into something different, Before, there was a lot of separation of self or your private life or your belief system. And today, when I think about a wholeheartedness to your leadership, I really think about you bringing all of yourself to the table authentically. This doesn't mean oversharing or disclosing things that uh, make people uncomfortable or are not intentional in spaces, but it really invites you into the space of cultivating authenticity at a new level so that you're not hiding your fears, or you're not hiding that you don't know everything, and that you're you're making stuff up along the way as a leader, just like everyone else is in the world. There's a lot more self-compassion involved in being he- wholehearted. Self-compassion where you sit and you can actually be okay with your humanity and your mistakes, instead of perfectionism or beating yourself up or uh, shaming yourself. There's gratitude and joy in wholeheartedness, and instead of control or a need for certainty or shutting down some of those ways that you can actually express yourself joyfully, uh, you embrace celebration and gratitude and joy. And you're also cultivating creativity and stillness and meaningfulness in work, which all leads you to a new place of creation and ideas and leadership. And I think another piece of wholehearted living that I've really worked to cultivate is rest and play. I'm still working on this one, especially the play one. This seems to me like my last resistance from my own survival mechanism is allowing myself to play within my life, within my business, even something as simple as, you know, allowing myself to laugh at a silly comedy special midday. So I'm really looking at what would more play provide me in my leadership and rest. And, you know, we've talked a lot in this podcast about rest and what that would provide you, but just another reminder that part of being wholehearted is that you are human and you need rest. There are periods of time where you're going to have to source yourself in a different way than you used to, or for whatever you're up to creating in your life, it might look different at this point to just rest. There's
1: always going to be something about it. always going to be something about it.
0: Claudine, I'm so excited to have you today uh, on on the podcast. I remember the first time I met you. And I always like to talk about uh, the first time I meet people or my first uh, experience of that person. And um, it was on a phone call with with Melanie, our director of coaching at the C- Suite Collective, and we were we had been introduced to you through Liz, and I just remember thinking, this woman is so open-hearted. And I remember, you know, w- cause you know, we're over here making stuff up, you know, and how companies and new leadership should go. And you just sat there and you were a ray of sunshine, but you were this grounding, magnificent force that you could tell was tapped into the earth and the universe, but also, uh, incredibly brilliant and wise. So I have been just so honored and privileged to get to know you the past six months. So thank you for being here. Thank
1: you. And thank you for holding this space for your vision as as a leader and, you know, as a creator uh, with TCC and how you hold all of us and the collective together. So it was a pleasure that day. And I was even more thrilled when I got to meet in person.
0: I know that was the best meeting each other in person, yes. <laughs> which is a weird thing to say these days. But it's more often than not that we hear that with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we know a lot electronically. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. My goodness. I just want to talk a little bit briefly about your history. So is there anything you want to share about your background or, um, you know, the work you do in the world? Sure.
1: I, you know, the lens of who I am is so generated through my family. Uh, I'm I'm the youngest, though I, my brother and I, I was also raised in a step family. So I was the youngest there also. But our family is a really a tight Syrian Background: I'm Caesarian and I'm Sicilian, and we were raised much more with my mother and her two sisters. They're very strong women. These are warriors, um, and they created warriors, um, and I would say, I say that because I was drawn to my work. I watched my family of chaos and substantial abuse, and I was called into becoming a social worker really early in my life and giving voice to people who did not have, particularly in systems that yes, were made for them, but really lock them out or put them in a box. Like if you only have these square footage, like my background is child welfare. And, and we put a lot of boxes around families and children and, and, and child welfare, like you write square footage, you have to have this much of a job, that, and you have to do treatment, but it, it, it comes out to more hours than, and resources than the families really have. Um, so I. Found myself in a career that I was in dismay and traumatized by, again. I can remember working in therapy going, this is the best we've got. So how wow. do I make an impact and influence in this system that is not always rigged to those who have been harmed in our, in our society? Yeah. You know, I don't think any parent wakes up saying, I'm going to harm, but circumstances do occur. And I had been privileged. I have never chosen a job. I have always been tapped. And I really had the ability to both create a clinical practice with some specialties in trauma and attachment theory, and ultimately becoming an administrator. Um, Leaving a legacy that is always grounded somewhat in, I can feel my emotionality. It's somewhat Mm. of grief, pain, Mm. harm, Mm. and in celebration. Great right. Adoption is another area of my, my, my life. And there's a lot of celebration and a lot goes into a child accepting someone else can love them. So I've been the clinician and I've also been the administrator at those, you know, functions at, at courthouse when, when they say, I do. And kids are asked to say yes, by the way. And I, I loved my career and um, I'm grateful for all those. I have amazing mentors. Um, but I will tell you, it's a champion for my younger, my younger self always was there pushing because I didn't experience feeling seen as a child in a large family. And it was, well, how can I have other kids be seen? Because they can't wow. go through this. They weren't seen. Hence, they're in a system that is bigger than them. So really being a child advocate all my, all my life, my career to match that. And it did come to a point where I also paid a price. You you know, I absorbed a lot in that role. And as an administrator, I was working two and a half hours away from my home. And it was taxing, to say the least, my choice. But I was hit by a drug driver on the way to my work one day. I was meeting with the feds that day. And it, it changed a lot. Uh, yeah, well, like our state of New Jersey, where I'm from, where we were under monitorship for uh, a lawsuit, and you know the, the feds check in. So yeah. I was having a meeting I was hosting that day, and I didn't make it. And it, it gave me six to nine months to reevaluate my life. Like, yes, have I have I lived into my potential? What is this? What am I doing? I'm not in joy in my job, but in purpose. There was some conflict. And the decision really, after coming back for one week, I resigned. I had done 25 years. It was like time. And I stepped into transformational training. And people may know it by Esther, Mindspring, Landmark. Um, I stepped into a training called Gratitude. And it had me see life differently. And where are my career and how can I be of influence and impact? In that trajectory, I would say, closed doors of old wounds. It healed and it released. I would say my parents both with me still and I'm very blessed. There's no regrets there. Like there's just love at this point. There's, they did the best they could and they see me now for who I am. But it changed how I wanted to be of impact and service. It was like, well, and I think coaching was that next natural step. It's the first time I had a coach. I hired a coach. I'm still friends with her. And it was like, wow, we're whole and complete. Right? Psychotherapy hasn't Yeah, it may come from that, but we're such an fix-it healing. And I think we've changed our languaging over the years from when I was trained 30 years ago to now. Um, sure. right? We were very presenting problem in the past. Mm. Now we don't speak that way. We really talk about healing and the inner child and living in fulfillment. Yeah has become that avenue for me and I really appreciate, so I really blended my psychotherapy which I'm still an active psychotherapist with a full practice and I'm an active coach with a full practice, I, I have this blending that I lean in both areas right? depending on where the person goes and what's, what's they basic, it's not my agenda um, especially when I'm a coach so I've continue to be grateful for spirit allowing me still to attract the people that I am to work with and impact so that they can live right so they can have safety so they can be daring and vulnerable and create intimacy in an impact in all areas of their life that they see so so I am professionally but I'm very driven by my heart and by and by spirit That's just who I am
0: What a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing all of that openly and vulnerably. And there's a couple of pieces of it that I want to just highlight that really stood out, which is, you know, I find that there's so many people in the world that will either be in the either or camp, you know, if we're talking from a binary language standpoint of I can be happy at my job, but not have purpose or fulfillment, even though it's, I might be happy or, I can have a lot of purpose in my job but I'm, you know, my well-being is out, I'm not joyful, it's sucking my soul. <laughs> and I have a lot of respect for both sides of the coin because I think that in the world there's a time and a place for that part of our journey or those industries really need people and what I love about you is you found a way to combine both and be in the middle of that. And do you have any anything that you want to share around that journey in particular because I know a lot of people struggle with you know, should I have a job that I love or should I have a purposeful job?
1: Yeah, you know, there's that quote right like find what you love to do and you won't work another day in your life. And yep. I use that quote often in judgment of myself. I'm not experiencing that. So, I myself gotten it right. I think it's a journey, it's not a destination. Right. But there's no doubt. I think everybody is born with a purpose or how to impact the world. At least, you know, for me, I'm about that. So I wouldn't say it was a direct line and it's still not. It's still finding those sweet spots, but being open to the the beginnerness and the messiness to find and feel your way through. Like, I know I'm guided by my GPS, my intuition and spirit. So right. Ah, where is this landing here? And tuning in and checking in. Is this really, am I having the experience I want? And am I only relying on this experience? Because I think, Alina, a lot of people also think the job will be it. The partner will be it. Yeah. Well, really, it's part of it. But like, what's my relationship here with me? It's, it starts with me. And I know it's never great advertising. I think someone who did my website was like, oh, it's going to work. Like, like my <laughs> feeling is... When you have a, when you have a, a good relationship here, I, I can have it there. And that's in any area of my life. But this is the most significant relationship from a place of knowing so that I can then be in a relationship and be open to the growth that happens. Um, and, and it's been a journey of finding that and tuning that. But I'll tell you, it has come from tuning in here. Right, I'm a woman of significant weight loss. So there's been years of living here And not here. You know, I've I've had to give this a lot of somatic work. So the connecting, and it's in the connecting to me that I have crafted something. And I I do think you're right. People struggle with, but I want it all. Well, you you can have it, but you've got to be willing to not get it right. Yeah, and have it be the journey. Yeah, people want to get it right. Like, they don't want the mess. It's like... (laughs) it's going to come and can you love yourself through that it's not perfectionism it's the progress um and, and taking the risk there is daring risks here when we leave a structure that we know to say is this like for me stepping into entrepreneurialness like this is a nine-to-fiver mm-hmm. for 27 years like what is this um it is what I want to create and what I want to co-create, right? I'm not saying I did this alone. I did this with amazing organizations like you, you know, TCC and with amazing clients. So yeah, can we be open to team? We don't need to do it alone. So I think that's how I'm still feeling in and creating and crafting and weaving even in my 56th year of life.
0: That's amazing. Well, and you used the word relationship, and I love that you pointed to yourself first because I am a firm believer that everything stems from that as well. But what, um, this is a big piece of your work is being in relationship with people, but also coaching around relationship in the world. So what does relationship mean to you? And how Hmm. do you see that that's so important in executives in the world? That's a great question. What is relationship? You know, I, I somehow want to go
1: to metaphor. I, I feel myself, it's like that, the opportunity to dance with another, where we get to see them and to be seen. It's, you know, it's intimate and, and spacious at the same time. But I also believe relationships are our spiritual pathway. Um, right? Uh, you know, there's some belief in the Tantra community, right? Like, relationships are our avenue to God. However we see it, I mean,
0: um, yeah. Whatever your so, definition
1: is. Yeah. And what is so important, even in our corporate world, it's all based on relationships. People may have titles like CEO, but you're not a CEO without relationships to your board, to your direct reports, to your clients. Even if you don't have, you know, touch with your clients, it, you it, it is, I, I don't know, I'm not so crazy about the triangle. I, I like circles a little bit better. They're softer to me, but there's a continuation as a leader, you know, and you, you're touching everybody, even if, you know, you have direct or indirect experience or dancing. with. So I notice in, in coaching executives, some come very firm. They, they have a plan about where they want to get their business to goal, or maybe they want to change their career. They're like, you know, it's not where I want to be, or I had success here and I want to create another form of expression of myself, right? So we we really do look at, well, what is the relationship? How, how are we tending to self? Because if we're gonna move, move, you know, are we attending to the temple, I'll say. Like, what's the mind, body, spirit? I'll use the word self-care, which has become a hot word, but really, are we fertilizing ourselves? And how are we engaging with other people? What are the principles? So I I really start with, what are our principles? People also call them values. I think of principles as pillars. If I was thinking of a house, I would call it the foundation. Values to me change, right? Like, so that would be the siding. I have aluminum siding and I have, you know, aluminum windows. I may change my siding. My values change as I age or I learn and grow, but my principles don't. I'm really grounded for me. Like, I know my principles are compassion, integrity, service, and spirit. That hasn't changed since I made that declaration, I don't know, twenty-something years ago. But what I value has changed as I age, right?
0: I yeah, beautiful difference. distinction.
1: So I really work with our leaders about where, really, what are they? What are our principles? And how are we in relation to them? And, but how do we embody them? So if I'm in relationship with you, what is, what is integrity as I embody it with you? It's like showing up on time complete this like it's my word but it's not just the doingness it it is really the beingness that i because i say it and i i show up in that that i believe i am Um, so working with with our leaders about that because some of them don't have that self-awareness like yeah i'm full of you know integrity but yet behind the scenes they're cutting someone's this or budget and they haven't told them yet and so we really work on some of the alignment like, what is it you want to create? And if you're not mirroring what you want to create in your organization, there's going to be a disconnection, right? And then we always want to go find the blame game person. Well, it's that. It's then there, in finance. It's it. No, if you're the leader, where are you in alignment Where you're not in alignment? I didn't say perfection. I said alignment. Yeah. Right. So it really start in that place. And there's some vulnerability there to do a self audit. How am I showing up? What in, 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 in our domains and then what domains to me are, I'm doing well there. I call them the maintenance domains, right? Um, we're the domains that I say I want to improve. And then where are my domains that are critical that actually need immediate attention. So we, we work on the wellness and safety inside so that we can then start to expand and, you know, create the plan. But that's not me. I don't create it. I'm
0: just the guy that is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They create it. But it's so beautiful. And you use this word vulnerability, which is a big word right now, right? Hot in the world. Everybody's talking about it. You and yep. I were talking about Brene Brown yep. talking about it um, offline. So what do you have for those leaders that are willing to be vulnerable? They say, Okay, I'm in for this game, because I, I think a lot of the conversations we're in these days. Leaders are at least open to the concept now and, and to what that actually might look like for them on their terms. But what do you say to those leaders that are open and yet don't have anywhere to start or have no idea what, um, they should expect with vulnerability or, um, you know, they're at the beginning of this journey. Like, what would yeah. you say to them?
1: I appreciate that. Cause I'm thinking of some of the clients I'm working with. Great. Yeah. I think we got to go where they are because there's a relationship they even have to that word or idea or what it's generating in them. So sometimes I will say, What is it? Because some people like, Oh, like it, it really clogs them up, that word. So we, we're like, Okay, let's uncollapse it a bit so it can become embraceable to them. Otherwise, we're going to be in resistance. It's not my job to push a concept that may be wonderful, but that's not where they are. <clears throat> And then, you know, I would tell you, I do some modeling of it. So I think people think vulnerability, yes, I have access to my tears and emotionality. Anybody seen the movie Elemental by Disney? I'm water and I'm also fire. Uh But I can go to water very easily. I can access my emotionality. And I think that's what people think. Like, I don't, I can't do that. Like, they look at the tears and like, I can't as a leader. Well, It's not, tears are not the only form of vulnerability. It it could be even the small shares with them, like, hey, I actually, I'm not really sure of where we're going with this year's plan, or, you know, I'm unsure of that, the act of even sharing where they are, or I'm thinking about, or I'm inviting you to collaborate. And that's a big act for some of our leaders who think being a leader means I have all the vision and, right? Like, so... Creating a collaborative, like, can they be open to not having to be the director of it all? And I say that like, you and I can go like that, yeah, of course, but not to some leaders. But the way they got there was driving the bus, being that, like, and like, okay, if I want to do it differently, like, who can I now invite on my bus? I don't have to drive it all the time. Or, right, and, and so we, we take those baby steps. Of what would that look like? And I interestingly enough, in most people that I work with, leaders, go like, "Oh my God, I have to do it all myself." Yeah, right. It's so, <laughs> so relieving. They're, they're exactly they're relieving, and I recognize they're also scared that they'll be seen differently or weak. I hear that word, or somehow uh-huh. they're not as strong as they used to. Be. So we really have to work through what they've put on themselves or this idea of leadership. What's the new paradigm that you want to have as leader? Like I get say, like you're the author, not some book. You don't have to do it according to anyone. So that's how I, I start them. And I will tell you, I also resource people up. So I will have them read some other forms. Like I'm, you know, Simon Sinek, you know, person. I am a Brene Brown. I really, so I will have them, you know, listen to podcasts, read books as a way of also giving them some new perspective, like opening it up. Um, so they can start to embrace and create their own ideas. Of course, it would also gets generated in our coaching sessions. So that's how I, I started. And, you know, like some of them, will, I, I love them. They come back to me. I changed the way I do my agendas now. The simple act of opening an agenda and sending around and saying, open topics, you add, the reaction leaders get is if they don't even foresee it. Because all of a sudden, their team is starting to own it. It's not, we're going to the meeting, it's his meeting, her meeting. It's like, oh, it becomes our meeting? And they just are like, I I think leaders are actually surprised. And that's a very small act. I'm not saying that's going to make a yeah, Yeah. But for some, the act of opening it and the invitation that creates on their team starts to change a culture and experience.
0: Exactly. That's really beautiful. And I think one thing to highlight with my clients in particular is when you go through this process, some of them get frustrated because it's um, not fast and furious and enough, right? And so I, I really hear in your, your share too that you work on gradients with people of, of um, hey, try this for a while and you cannot reinvent Rome overnight here, <laughs> right? Like it's a it's a yeah. shift, it's a transition. <laughs> It,
1: it, it really is. And, you know, that's probably when I also try to use some of the brain knowledge that we have, right? Mm. One of the things, and I know Dave, David in our uh, collective, TCC collective, both of us are certified as positive intelligence coaches. And it really is about looking at neuroplasticity, right? It, it 56 years I've been at things. So like I have habits, they're ingrained in their wired. Does that mean I can't create new? Of course I can. But really, we're looking at a commitment at least 120 days. And people are like, well, I, I read the book, it should only be 30. I'm like, yeah, 30 is for a habit. You want them to go unconscious with a habit. I'm talking about 120 days. Like, you're talking about changing culture. You're changing that many people's brain waves, including your own. That's going to take a little attention to change the wiring and the firing of our brain. Right. So, really trying to take it off the person and move it into some biology where they can, they can take, like, I'm not all in control. I'm like, no, there's actually some things that we can do, but it is an internal process. I think helps some of our, particularly our analyzers and our thinkers, um, really have some other ways of viewing this change is over time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So beautifully said. And I'm curious. So, You've been at this game for a while, so I imagine you've seen some trends and some things change over the industry. And overall, what are you excited about that you've seen, you know, over the course of the coaching industry and the therapy industry over the last 30 years or so? What excites you now? Yeah. You know, I still, I still have a buddy,
1: a coaching buddy. Uh, we meet every week for an hour. and it's, We actually were talking about the coaching world. When we really go back to the foundation, this is not a very old industry, right? Yeah, the coaching industry. Um, You know, it started at the University of Coaching. I I can't remember Tom's last name, he's no longer with us. But when it really came about, it really was based on this competency of listening, presence, guiding. And and I I think we've coaching schools in their marketing have added so many of their models. So there's times where I kind of feel like we've gotten a little diluted and I get, I get new marketing and product competition. So I, I get excited when I, I, I find people speaking or programs really focusing on the art of coaching, not all the extras, because there's a lot of extras that we've put in there, right? Like we're, we're flooded and a lot of people who are not coaches, but attended something and now they're kind of a coach. Um, So I I like some of the purity of coaching. And it is really presence. It really is holding space for somebody Um, in such a way that it generates questions. People are like, well, what's the questions you use? Let me have a way I start a session. But I don't sit there with a list, right? And I (laughs) trust that relationships will generate the amazing ah ahas and breakthroughs I don't, I think there's some people still holding on like this, and yet people who experience coaching go, oh, yeah, right. Um, it's been really interesting to see how we're moving to all these platforms, which have made it packageable and more manageable of a, of a benefit for companies. But they've also commoditized coaching into X amount of sessions, X amount of lengths, and, you know, I have some people approach me like, hey, my company would pay for three sessions. Will you accept their rate? And it's not about their money. It's about what are we yeah. doing in three sessions? And are we focused? Like, that, you know, and it doesn't mean I never do it. So I think there's this contraction sometimes on coaching to fit into a benefit pool. That concerns me. And at the same time, I'm excited that we're trying to figure out ways to make it more reachable and accessible. It's a, it's a bullfand right now, though, for Elena for me. Right? I've seen a lot of companies, they've asked me to partner with them or I've done some, you know, I, I do breathwork and visualizations and I'll record it and I'm like, what are we really doing? What's this product? And it's replacing the human coach with AI. So you would tell it and it would keep generating answers, questions, answers, questions, and I've used the products. I'm like, no.
0: It doesn't, it, it it, it doesn't it is, hit the same at all. <laughs>
1: It, it, it doesn't get the tone and rate. It doesn't really understand the distinctions of words used. So it could take you down a path this way. And you're like, oh, no, I meant it this way. And I guess, did I set it up to do that? You know, So I, yeah, I did. Yeah. So I, I think we can't rely and go, we're, we're, we're going to be replaced by computers, artificial intelligence in one day. I hope not. And I can't, I don't see that experience. I know we're developing, you know, machines that have feelings now and can sense. I just haven't had the experience yet that I feel it gets to that granular level of connection and intimacy.
0: Yeah. Um, and do the new one.
1: Yeah. What freaking excites me a lot is that we are talking about the word vulnerability or I'm going to use the word healing. If we step back, what I think we are seeing in industries of healing are wholeness. We're talking from holistically the being and our own wholeness as an individual. And these are new words for us, maybe not in the last few years, but we're still living into what that really means for for people. When I say you're whole and complete, there's still a rejection that some of my clients have like, Oh no, let me tell you about my shame. And I've done this and I,
0: it's like, Oh
1: wow. And To be able to heal so that they can claim and own their worth and self-love. That's what this is all about, at least to me. And however that is, if it's in your industry, in your career, if it's in your intimate relationship, if it's with your own health, with your children, however that's going to look, I'd love that we're going holistically. You know, like, what do I eat? What do I watch? What do I listen to? It's all impacting me all the time. I don't think we thought that. And it could be where I'm sitting, but I'm witnessing a revival of something that I have a lot of passion, which is inner, I'll call it inner aspects, shadow, inner children, however we want to call it. But that we are we are far more dimensioned than putting here this body, right? Yeah. In my psyche, in my history, in my body, my cells, that there's memories in so much of me, not just in this, what my recall is, or that I, you know, I, I work with a, a relationship coach where we, we are looking at like, how is my queen being honored? How's my inner lover? How's my inner prostitute, right? Yeah. I, I, I have to acknowledge I have this inner destructive monsterness, and I have an enormous amount of nurturance and love, right? All of these, I, I joke with some of my clients, these are my inner aspects. She has a oh, All the different colors right? and cards. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. when I'm with my partner, or when I'm with myself, there's other little parts of me that are, you know, activated. Sometimes it's my wondrous child who's like, wow, in that same moment, it could also be my inner lover who's like, wow, and I want to share it with you. Or right, recognizing that. So I, I I hear these conversations, and it's maybe because it's where I sit and those I connect with. Even working with leaders that like you get to own. There's elements and feelings to you that are driving the bus. Sometimes I call it getting hijacked yeah. without yeah. judgment, but how do we invite them in? Cause we can't keep them out.
0: Right. Right. Or cut so them out or try them to, make? Like, yeah, yeah. Pretend they don't I exist. Or, yeah. Invite them to the table. That's really beautiful. And I love that word. I, I do think it is wholeheartedness. I'm hearing that more and more in spaces that are not even transformational spaces, which is exciting. And the idea that you can tend to yourself holistically is really, um, you know, at least in the Western world, and maybe the Western world is a bit behind because I think some of the other, other countries in the world have always had this mindset on some level, but it seems like in the US specifically, uh, really getting back to some of those core concepts that might have been lost.
1: Exactly. And I I also think what's exciting in the whole holisticness is people are going to different types of medicines, right? So we're seeing the medicine of breathwork and Reiki, right? But we're also seeing, you know, how having a sweat lodge is medicine, right? Sitting with different plants medicines, if it's ayahuasca or Bufo or even the use of marijuana. I think people are right now open to more ways of healing and more avenues. And I'm an integrative coach. There's times where you know I will sit and uh, assist people with a journey um, in terms of preparing them, being with them, or you know, doing integration posts, because there is more ways. Talk therapy and coaching, right? They're my two primary. But the, the, the idea that there's hundreds of paths and not being so righteous or committed to one. But are are we open? And I, I I I sense this generation is more and more liberal to yeah. other pathways and to see like ketamine being used in that way. So being used. It's like okay, I'm a, none of these are the answers. They are part no. of it. Yeah, and to be open to healing in whatever way, I'm really thrilled to see that there's there's an opening to that and an embracing of it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And thank you for saying that because I I've, I feel like some of the clients that might still be resistant to different modes of healing or have a fear around it. Some of the judgments I hear are, well, some, some people think these are the answers. So there's definitely that side of, again, these are all tools and they're all methodologies to help you find your way back to you. And that relationship piece that we were talking about earlier Around your soul, your heart, your mind, your body, um, and they're all just avenues available to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, most definitely, and that is really how I work, and it shows up differently in my language if I'm a coach versus in my therapist hat. And I, mean, I think people probably know the distinctions. Right? We're we're hires experts as therapists; they do want to see our certifications. and And do you know this? You know, and I'm I'm someone who always encourages clients ask me questions because I was available or recommended does not click. Make me the therapist for you. And it's, it's it's a different come from from coaching where I may hold information and knowledge, but that's not what the lead is. That's not what coaching is about. Like, right. The expert is the client. So there is a really different come from and dynamic, but to me, they're both paths to our, our wholeness and our fulfillment. Um, in relationship of intimacy to self and others, you know, vision and purpose, right? Because when we're there, we have that clarity. So, I, I, you know, I think it's what pathways people are choosing. And there's so many now. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled that this younger generation is open to experimenting and popping and trying. I have this 20-something-year-old, this attraction I have in, in my clientele right now. And I'm not sure what that's about. I would never tell you that's my, my specialty. But what right. I'm sensing in this generation is they don't have certain clarity, right? They see they have all these opportunities and, and, and sometimes it's almost overwhelming. Where do I fit in? How do I navigate this enormous gift of this life? Right. There's less restriction and helping them move through it or recognize that there is a calling you just got to tap into it they already got the map right sometimes i just need to learn how to hone in and and read it um yeah and so it's it's been a great journey to see a lot more younger people moving into these places of healing at an earlier age and i'm not even sure if it's a healing but there's this this other part of growing upness that they're seeking um you know some sage and some wisdom from an elder. And I'm happy to be that.
0: That's amazing. Ah, I just got chills for the future through that lens and and for people being able able to truly find purpose from a different way instead of maybe an old way of have to or should or any of the ways that we used to fit into those boxes. So, yeah. Well, Claudine, you are... Magnificent! I really do think you're a unicorn and I, I I feel so blessed around everybody that we're surrounded with that we've chosen to invite to the table and I'm so grateful to you and the work you're doing in the world. So thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom today. It was my pleasure. Any
1: opportunity to connect to you is a gift. Um, so thank you for filling my heart up today. It was a pleasure, it was a pleasure to be with another beautiful being.